Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you do what feels right. The guest for this episode is Ella Gokajem, and on top of being a freshman at Babson College in Massachusetts, Ella is also a climate activist, working on different projects to combat climate change and motivate Gen Z to get involved in the fight as well. So let's jump right in. I asked Ella to tell me about her background and path to activism, and this is what she shared with me. So my name is Ella Gikchida. I've lived in Arlington, Virginia all of my life, but my parents are both first gen from Turkey. So I've traveled to their home island, which is like a really secluded island in the middle of the Marmara Sea. No one knows about it. I've traveled there every summer of my life, so I've kind of been going back and forth living in two different cultures so it's allowed me to get a very global perspective and my experiences on that island every single year like there's no internet no running water and the only thing I was able to do to keep myself entertained as a little girl was spend most of my time underwater so I spent at least eight hours every single day just observing fish and just trying to keep myself you know entertained and then as I grew up I started noticing the fish population was decreasing like there were more plastics in the ocean and my family farm that was generational for about like eight generations just felt collapsed because people started to prefer imported food from Dole which was really insane for me to think like going to America and there's like Dole everywhere in the grocery stores and then there's a secluded island in Turkey and then Dole apples and mangoes are being sold it made me very confused and this happened, I started noticing this about like seventh grade, so I didn't know anything about like economics. There was a huge economic downturn. People lost their jobs. My family lost their, like a lot of my people in my family lost their jobs. So that got me into business and entrepreneurship and economics. I've always wanted to be a marine biologist, but I found out that like the only way to advocate for what's going on in my island is to go into business and entrepreneurship to figure out what's going on like from the source. So in high school, I tried to take as many courses as I could, like AP economics, environmental science, and I started taking a bunch of courses through like Berkeley and MIT. And I just wanted to get myself as immersed in the issue as possible so I can go back and help my home island. So in my sophomore year, I wanted to take all of the things I learned and put it to the test. So I started my own business called April Technologies. I had some prior coding experience, so I designed my own wireless earbuds. And I sold them to people in my high school and it kind of, I went to a national entrepreneurship competition. Then I realized I hated the business. I wanted to go more into nonprofits and environmental work. So I started Youth Environmental Society because I realized there was a huge gap in environmental education across the United States. There was no baseline literacy curriculum and like all of the states were at different points in like developing an environmental literacy plan. So I wanted to make it easier. So I Developed a course by high school students for high school students, so there's no like intimidating terminology. I was planning on launching it to 500 students in Arlington this year, but because of COVID, I didn't want to give one more online course for high school students to worry about. I thought it would be a complete disaster. So I'm putting that to the side a little bit. I'm working on a few other projects as of right now. But yeah, now I'm at Babson College in Wellesley, Massachusetts. It's just a business school. There's a lot of issues here, but I'm trying to like, that's a story for another time, but that's a brief snapshot of my life. Ella talked some about her organization, the Youth Environmental Society, and her motivation to create a more comprehensive environmental curriculum for American students. I asked Ella to tell me more about the Youth Environmental Society and the process to develop her curriculum while she was in high school. It was just me and another friend from my school who 
like saw the same issue as I did. And um, I, we both went to school three hours before school started and we, cause we didn't have any time after school. So every single day we were at school, like the second the janitors opened the door, we just sat down in this little think tank room we had and we just worked and started developing curriculum with help of our environmental professor and like teachers at our high school who had PhDs in sustainability and like environmental education. So they were a huge resource. We also partnered with this local, like they're a global organization, but their headquarters were in Arlington um, alongside many other environmental organizations, but Earth Echo International, we worked with them because they are all about environmental education. So they provided us with their pre-developed curriculum and we kind of skewed it to, towards high school students. So we partnered with a few environmental organizations to grade and uh, to gain credibility and from there, we just developed a 14-week course. After every course, we consulted with the people in Earth Echo and our teachers and teachers from various different like um, states. So once they approved the chapter, we moved on to the next one and we just kept on going. And then we have a solidified curriculum right now. But again, it's just on hold. And I think my main mission with Youth Environmental Society was to make it like a living course. Like you just don't make it one year and then you keep it on for 10 years. Like I want to develop it every single year. So of course, with the elections and all the wildfires and with COVID, I think it was such a beautiful case study how in the beginning of the pandemic, people were inside and like canals in Italy, like the dolphins were swimming in them and all these things. I thought that's an amazing chapter to have. So I'm just adding new things as of right now. It's just like, it's a living course. So that's another thing that makes it special. So yeah, we got a lot of interest from Arlington County. I partnered with Arlington County Public Schools. So that was a good way to get, gain credibility as well. So yeah, I'm just waiting as of right now. And I'm, as I said, I'm trying to develop the course as we speak. The lack of climate education in America is obviously a problem because if people don't understand the threat of climate change, they can't possibly be motivated to fight against it. At my high school, my school offered AP Environmental Science in which I gained a pretty decent understanding about the threat of global warming. However, many American students aren't given the opportunity to learn about the environment as exclusively. I asked Ella why she feels that students need additional climate education, and what are some of the shortcomings of the curriculum we have in schools now? And these are her thoughts. Yeah, so there's like a general idea and then there's a deeper idea. I'll try to like touch on both of them. So the general, like with AP Environmental Science, first of all, it's intimidating for people who don't want to take AP Environmental Science, but I think it should just be like baseline. Everyone should take Environmental Science. And I'm sure with your school as well, it takes two class periods. So some people just simply don't have enough space and just a general environmental science course, it's usually not that engaging. Um, a lot of people get bored and it's not, I think the main issue for me, I'm a very selective learner. And once a class doesn't conform to my interests, I kind of tone out. So I developed the course based on the UN SDGs. So like once you start the course, you pick a badge that you're most interested in and like a course is curated to that SDG. So it's more conforms to your interests more. So you find a way to apply it to your future career path. So I think that's another thing that it came from my passion and it just put it into the course. And a lot of people appreciate that feature as well. And then in a deeper sense, like growing up in Turkey, my experience is like the impacts of agricultural globalization and like plastic pollution and just all these big terms that I actually lived through, I started viewing the climate crisis as something less intimidating because like I literally saw it firsthand. I, I know why it's happening, how it's happening, who it's impacting. And I have a sense of empathy towards the climate crisis. And in courses, you just like memorize definitions and just regurgitate information. You really can't put names and faces and stories behind them. So um, I think 
the case we see in the Midwest, especially, like some people haven't even seen the ocean in their lifetimes. It's like when you're talking about sea level rise, why should they care? Like they're in the literal middle of the United States. They don't see how their position, like how everything's connected. So I think that was also a huge gap in environmental curriculum. So um, as of right now, I'm working on this thing called the Avsha Project that I'm trying to integrate into youth environmental society. Avsha is the name of the island. So I'm gonna conduct research there this summer and use the Avsha, like my island, as a case study for the course. I'm gonna to try to put names and empathy behind these big terms. So just basically making it a more personable course. Ella is working to educate more young people about the health of their planet. Gen Z is becoming active in the fight against climate change around the world, which is a very hopeful development. I asked Ella why she thinks there's such a discrepancy between younger generations' approaches to climate change and that of older generations. And this is what she told me. There's a lot. I think about that a lot. I think for us, it stems from urgency. Like we literally don't have the option to push it back. I think prior generations, they really like sustainability is a new, like fairly new topic. I'm talking to all my professors right now and they're like 10 years ago, even 10 years ago, like sustainability courses weren't even offered at Babson. So not only did they not have resources to engage, they also didn't know what they were engaging with. Of course, like plastic pollution and like carbon levels, like those were becoming an issue. It wasn't that prevalent. So with us, we literally see by 2030, if we don't offset our carbon emissions, it'll just create an irreversible chain reaction. And just hearing that information and just seeing how like the prior generations aren't doing anything, I think that's what makes like youth climate activism so powerful because we don't, there's no time for niceties or anything. We just like do it because there's literally no time for us to like put it on the next generation. I think it all stems from urgency. Climate change is obviously such a big, scary issue that seems so overwhelming when it comes to activism. I asked Ella to tell me more specifically about what attainable changes she is hoping to make and see in the future pertaining to global warming. Just coming to Babson and learning more about my island, I think as of right now, I'm really passionate about agricultural globalization and globalization as a whole. I think there's a lot of issues with capitalism, but I think looking at it from a whole, like from like, or just overseeing everything, I think the main issue with capitalism is once you bring global capitalism and global production in the picture, I think capitalism works amazingly in a local scale, but once you have the once you lose connection to the land that you have to take care of and you you can just exploit another country that doesn't have enough regulations, like of course you're going to keep on exploiting them. Even the consumers in America don't understand what they're exploiting. You just see them in it like there's no emotional connection. I think it's all about emotions. So just going tying back to agricultural globalization and just globalization as a whole, I think there's a huge issue with food systems and um I think there needs to like what I would ideally I know it's like a really big ambitious plan but like just try to limit globalization as much as possible like overseas productions because the only reason companies go overseas is to exploit resources or people so just having this like higher institution that oversees like all these global protection or just like going back into like domestic production I think that would just solve so many issues, not even with the climate crisis, but with just like social issues as a whole, like inequalities and poverty. That's what I think of a lot. So I think that's what I'm trying to get into as well at Babson, since, as I said, it's a business school. So I think there's a lot for me to learn here and about like consumption patterns and production patterns and just going to the source and hopefully, hopefully making more like changes on a larger scale once I graduate. 
The recent election brought hope to activists for many different issues, and Biden recognizes the threat of climate change far more than the Trump administration did. I asked Ella to share her thoughts about how she thinks the Biden administration will affect climate policy. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this. Like just watching the debate, it's obvious that Biden doesn't really know what he's talking about, but it, it's his team that makes um, makes the difference, like AOC and um, his entire policy, like his entire cabinet of like climate act activists. And uh, I work with Zero Hour and we're endorsing him and he's actually going to be working with us. And I am working with the Ocean like Center for a Blue Economy and we're drafting a Blue New Deal and Biden's endorsing that as well. I think um, as much, there's a lot of issues that we still need to solve now that Biden is elected. I don't, I hate how everyone's kind of like getting relaxed because there's still so much work to do. It's just going to be easier to enact them because he's going to be more open. With the Trump administration, it's like it's hard trying to enact these solutions when he literally doesn't believe in climate change. So Biden's definitely going to make it easier, but there's still a lot of work to do. But I think with, um, like organizations like This Is Zero Hour and the work you're doing, trying to like tell people's stories and just getting a more broader sense of community within Gen Z. I think that's what we need as of right now. And I think the Biden administration will help like give us a platform to reach these goals. Climate change is a pressing issue and being an activist for climate change can bring some serious burnout over time. I asked Ella to talk about her experience with feeling burnt out with activism and her solutions for when she feels disheartened or frustrated. This is Ella's advice. I'm actually in it right now. <laughs> These past two weeks, I've never felt this burnt out in my life. I think from my experience, I go to this through this period of being burnt out. And then I think of a new solution, like a new thing that I could like venture on. And then I just get motivated again. And then I just go and then I get burnt out. It's like a cycle. Definitely, I think in the environmental movement, there needs to be a huge emphasis on mental health because you're literally thinking about your future and the future of your kids, like your entire bloodline and the planet. It's not a light topic to consider. So I think if from my personal experience, I always think back to my community in Turkey and how I'm the only person on that island who's like getting an American education. And I feel like this sense of obligation to give back to them when they've given me so much like empathy and like just they made me the person I am today. So it sounds really cheesy, but that's literally it. I, I always just think back to my community in Turkey and how I need to be doing this. And not only that, but like it feels right. It's authentic. I think another thing with the climate, like what I'm seeing at Babson, everything's so greenwashed. And I think when you're actually really passionate about something, you could see right through it. And that has been making me feel bur feel very burnt out as well. But just really like staying true to yourself, I guess. To make sure like, again, climate activism isn't for everybody. If it feels forced, like there's other things you could do to be sustainable. It's just like really figuring out what your goal is. Recycling, turning off the lights, using less water to brush your teeth, We've all heard these simple ways that we can help to save the planet, which are all valid, but there's more that we can do as well. I asked Ella to share the best ways for people to join in the fight against global warming. And this is her advice for anyone who wants to be more involved in making a change. I'm actually dealing with that as of right now. Like, as I said at Babson, people don't care about sustainability. And then there's me who's a literal climate activist. And I'm like, where are my people? But I think something that got me through is just joining a community. Like for example, Zero Hour, you could just get involved with them and just get, get, it, get into a community of people who think like you. Because once you start talking to someone who thinks like in the same mindset as you, like so many ideas form and you create so many new things and it's just empowering. The climate movement, it's not like 
it's not this glorified thing. It's like a really depressing topic to be tackling. And it's not fun when you're doing it by yourself. And it can actually be really emotionally straining, which it is. But when you're with a community of people who think the same way and you're talking with them and just bouncing ideas back and forth, I think that's the best thing you could do. Just like strengthening strengthening these pre-existing communities or maybe in the community you're in, like as of right now, as I mentioned briefly, like Babson has a lot of problems with sustainability. Our latest climate action plan is from 2011 and none of the goals on that plan have been reached yet. And we're planning on being carbon neutral by 2050, but that's too long. Like Harvard's out here doing climate neutral by 2036. So I saw the problem and now I'm drafting a new climate action plan for Babson. Just like don't be afraid to act on these issues. I'm getting a lot of pushback from students and faculty members, but I'm literally not stopping because we need it. And just like, and I can only do that with the help from like my communities that of people who like who are supporting me have the same mindset as I do. So just do, either join a community or create a community of like-minded people. Okay. So to end my conversation with Ella, I asked what advice do you most want to share with young people who want to make a difference around the world? And these are her words of wisdom. I've been thinking about that a lot, actually, just thinking about the college application process and how everyone is starting their own nonprofit and everyone's starting their own organization, but then there's no longevity. It's like once you get into college, they probably like drop it or like this probably wasn't even a nonprofit in the first place. And it's really hard for actual people, like people who actually are making change to stand out when everyone's starting a nonprofit or everyone's like a 4.0 GPA robot. It's just like I'm thinking about the people in high school right now and like in COVID there's so many things going against them and it's like they probably feel really burnt out as well they're trying to stand out I think this is going to sound really cheesy as well but with all the ventures I've been working on I don't get involved in something if I don't think it's right or if I if I don't feel comfortable with it like I get this vibe and I'm like should I be pursuing this and there's a lot of things that I've turned down because it just doesn't feel right for me and like, like EPRO and Youth Environmental Society, I've started them both from scratch with like no connections or anything. Like I kind of just started it. And then the people who thought the same as I did, they eventually just come. And then like everything just falls into place eventually. There's a lot of hurdles and obstacles. But like if you actually believe in something, you still second guess things. But I don't think it's that big of an issue. Like if you're second guessing everything you're doing and the mission, you probably shouldn't be pursuing it. But if it actually feels right, I think everything falls into place. So just like it's, a, again, it's a matter of finding what you're actually passionate about and pursuing that as your like first priority. I think it's really hard to put into words, but it's just like really this feeling that like it's just right. I think all of Ella's words really spoke to the importance of authenticity. Your activism and your work will make the biggest impact when you feel passionate and are genuinely committed to your cause. Ella continues to stick with her climate activism even when she feels burnt out or when she's lacking community because she is committed to making change. So my advice after talking to Ella is be authentic and be true to yourself because change comes when you do what feels right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Ella on Instagram at E-L-A-G-O-K-C-I-G-D-E-M to connect with her and learn more about her work. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.